Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Hotcast. After what feels like an eternity, the 22-23 season is just under a few days away. In roughly 70 hours at the time of recording this, we will be on our way down to the south coast of Bournemouth as we kick off our highly anticipated campaign. Now, unexpectedly, Cole has been hit with the flu. Whether that's a case of the man flu or not is yet to be determined. But with the two gentlemen I'm joined with, I doubt he'd be looking for any reasoning not to be talking to them. As I am, of course, joined by Tom and Simon for this one. How are you, boys? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, mate. It's been the same beforehand. It's been a while since we've... uh been recorded together at least in this combination so nice to be back but yeah I, I just glad that finally the start of the season's on the horizon eh? it's felt like a long old summer knowing that we should have had the world cup and thing is villa like getting the, getting a lot of the business done early in the summer is great but then you're like well you know end of june you're like what am i going to do now for <laughs> for six seven weeks or whatever so yeah i just can't wait for it all to get started again to be honest and I think every season you have that hope and that optimism, but this year really I'm feeling like without piling too much pressure on, things go well as well as they could do. It could be a could be an exciting and a and a good season of progress for us. I think. I mean, we've only been recording less than a minute, and Tom's already put the pressure on. Uh, Rumours are that he's been sat clock watching since June, in fact. Um, and we're also joined by Simon today. How are you, Simon? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Um, yeah, sort of looking forward to the season starting. Obviously, I went to the Warsaw friendly, however many weeks ago that was now, and that sort of whetted my appetite for the football to come back. And then, see the last couple of weeks watching the women Juros tops off brilliantly yesterday with them winning. It's just yeah, it's got me really sort of excited and, and loving football again, which. I'm sure come five o'clock Saturday afternoon, that feeling will probably soon disappear. But that's the joy of being a football fan, isn't it? The ups and downs, isn't it? Well, I mean, I'm I'm going to Bournemouth on Saturday. So for me, it will be early hours of Sunday morning until I get to get to relive it. Uh, so let's let's get started. Let's look forward to the season ahead. Um, obviously, just a few days now until we're back at the Vitality Stadium, the small stadium on the coast of Bournemouth. Um, how do you think we will be able to get off to a positive start on this one, Tom? How do you think we'll be able to set the standards for our season with this one? Yeah, I mean, I was saying to you before we got on that, like, starting away at a promoted team on the first day is my least favourite thing. I mean, it didn't go well for us last year, did it? But as soon as the fixtures came out, I was like, oh dear. But um, looking on paper particularly Scott Parker's comments this uh, well time of recording I think it was earlier today was it but saying about he think he feels like Bournemouth are a long way off where they should be quality wise like it's making me a bit more nervous because I think that like on paper we should win I'll leave it at that I won't say how many I think we should win by but we should win and um I don't think I'm alone as a Villa fan in saying that that makes me pretty nervous uh, feeling like that. But I just think it's a, it's a real opportunity. You know, we've had a good preseason. Um, some players playing their way, you know, new signings, Kamara, Carlos particularly looking very assured already. And like, they're going to add a great deal of quality composure to our team. And then, you know, Coutinho full preseason, Leon Bailey looking like the player that we hoped we signed from Leverkusen. Um Obviously, it's only pre-season. You don't want to judge too much. But if we can just carry on the way that we've been going over summer, get a get a positive result. And all I want to see from the early weeks, really, is that we are now moulding ourselves in the image that Gerard wants and that it's an image that's going to serve us well. You know, So if we can, if we can really lay down a bit of a marker, overcome the what is definitely a potential banana skin on opening day, then uh, I, I won't have too many complaints. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me personally, it felt like ever since Gerard came in, however many months ago it was, it felt like we were all looking forward to the preseason for him to get his own philosophy, get that time with the players to be able to mould them. We almost gave him excuses as to performances when they weren't going well on the pitch. Well, he hasn't had a full preseason. The players aren't playing, you know, their best style of football under him. It's always difficult to look too far into results in preseason because you know with the squads that we put out the number of players rotating during a game but we have come out of it unbeaten whether you want to read into that or not Simon what's been your biggest take from preseason and what have you noticed so far um well I think certainly if you look in sort of comparing to last preseason they like. I think at the start of last season, the players looked quite undercooked. They didn't really look fully fit. I think it took them a while if to get there, if you could argue they even really got there. Whereas this year, obviously being unbeaten is a great thing. You, as you say, it doesn't really count, but it's a nice habit to get into. <clears throat> but the players look fit and strong, especially you know, Tom just mentioned Leon Baby there. Like, having had the full pre-season and listened to his interview after the game on the weekends. And he, he himself is sort of saying that he feels confident in himself now. He feels confident in his body. Um, so I think that's a really, really big positive that that he's sort of looking like, as Tom said, the player we thought we were signing. Um, I've also been impressed with the younger players as well. I think they've got quite a few minutes and I don't think they've got those minutes just for the sake of it. I, Gerard didn't strike with the type of person just to chuck a young player in, you know, j- just to give him experience. Even in the preseason, I genuinely think he'll only play people in, in any game if he thinks that they're good enough and ready to. So the fact that so many of them have got minutes and also I think I saw something early on this afternoon that they made a decision that Cameron Archer is going to be staying at the club, which I'm really happy about. But I think that's a that's some like a really big thing to take in as well because it could have been quite easy to have just had a look in preseason thought, you know, he's twenty, he's up against Ings and Watkins, maybe chuck him out on loan. But the fact he's come out and said he's staying, sort of alluding back to the point I was just making then. I don't think Gerard makes that a decision like that lightly. So I think that's that's something really big to look for next season. I'm really glad you mentioned that and I will come back to that later on. Um, But for me, I mean, it's always difficult with with players like Bailey, you mentioned coming out and having such a good preseason because I remember sitting there and watching Jota at Warsaw two, three years ago and and thinking we'd sign the, the next Lionel Messi and obviously it didn't turn out to be. But there's there's always got to be a part of you that looks on excitably, doesn't it? It almost brings out the little kid in you, the fact that, you know, this could be his season and the season that we all thought it would be last year. Because I'm going to be honest, I'm going to put myself in the firing line here. I remember sitting at Villa Park. I can't remember what game it was in particular, but I just remember Bailey wasn't tracking back at all. And then I think he went down with an injury and I actually turned around to my dad and I said, I think that's his Villa career over. And probably, yes, prematurely, but seeing him score goals for fun and look so much fitter and stronger in pre-season, it's, it's got to be exciting, isn't it? But you mentioned the young players, Archer, yes, coming out today, saying that he's definitely staying. So that will probably mean that we're not looking for another striker in the window uh, with the three options that we have. I want to look to, more towards Kane Kessler-Hayden and Tim Erogbenham because I'd like to know whether we'll get similar decisions for them. I think Hayden has probably had on par, if not slightly better performances in preseason out of all the youngsters we've had. I've been really impressed with him. I think I remember watching him against United and he seemed to have really good link-up play and the energy getting forward. It seemed to be really promising and Tim as well. Now, not only fighting with Nakamba, but also Kamara. So where do you think it leaves those two, Tom? Do you think they'll be willing to stay and fight for a place? Or do you think from a personal perspective, they'll be going, yeah, give me one more year out on loan and then I can come back and really challenge for a starting spot? I think they'll probably both want to stick around, particularly having been so involved. I agree with you about um, Kessler Hayden, I think, 
I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel very comfortable going in, going in with him as our backup right back. When you think that if all goes to plan, and I know that's a difficult thing to say, and we had some problems with Luca Dina, for example, when we signed him in January, where he was a bit, you know, couldn't stay fit, for, couldn't stay on the pitch. Could he? Like, there was three games in a row, I think, he, were, he had to go off early on. So if, hopefully we avoid something like that with Cash. But if, you were, if we're in the fortunate position where Cash can play, 34 games, what, 34 Premier League games and upwards, maybe only misses the odd one through a knock or through suspension. I'm not feeling too too bad about having Kesler Hayden being the man who steps in at right back there. And I think that Matty Cash, let's be real, didn't really have any competition last season. And he performed fantastically anyway. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of as excited as I am to see Kesler Hayden's progress, I'm excited to see what it does for Matty Cash as well, to have somebody who really is actually going to push him, I think, quite hard if Kesler Hayden stays around. Um, and I, I have full confidence, cup games, and if he needs to step into the odd league game, I, what we've seen of him, he looks very, very, you know, mature beyond his years, as, as people like to say, and, and like he does have the ability to step up and at least as a stopgap measure, you know. Tim Aropenham, I... I I'd say the same thing. It it would surprise me less if a Rogbenham went on loan to the championship than it would if Kessler went on loan. I think Kessler Hayden will stay. A Rogbenham, I think, will make a late decision. He's somebody I could end. I could see. I mean, these are easy links because of the, the personnel involved, but I could see him, you know, joining QPR late in the window or something, linking up with Michael Beale or like you know, getting a good a good loan. Maybe we throw Preston a bone now that we've denied them another season of uh, England's finest target man. Um, but Tim Aropen, it's interesting you mentioned Nakamba. I love my, like, no, marvellous Nakamba. I really like, he's just, a, he's a good player and I think an even, an even better guy, you know, from what we've seen of him. But I wouldn't be surprised if come the end of this season, we're doing, we're doing a pod in April or May. I wouldn't be surprised if we're sat here talking about how Tim Aropenham has, taken the canvas place as our backup defensive midfielder. I think if he stays around, Gerard clearly loves him. Every time he plays, okay, he's got that rawness that you have from a kid. You know, maybe he's going to give the ball away a little bit and take him a little while to settle in. But there's clearly a lot of confidence in him from Gerard and the coaching staff. And I think if he sticks around, he's somebody that might, his role might grow substantially through the season, I think. Yeah, it's always difficult to tell when you're sat here before a season starts because anything can happen, really. And, you know, sitting here now and sitting here after Bournemouth, we could have completely contrasting opinions, um, obviously depending on how the results go. One thing that really sticks out for me is the fullback position because obviously Gerard is well known for liking his fullbacks bombing on, getting up and down the pitch. With five substitutions this year, we could really see two of those being fullback positions. Obviously, we've got three strikers now. We've seen Gerard implement a two up top and a one up top. So I really think all three of them, especially with Archer sticking around, will get minutes at some point. But it's not like Augustinson and Kane Kesler Hayden will necessarily be number twos because come that 60 minute mark, if Dinya and Cash are absolutely blowing from getting up and down all game, we could easily see both fullbacks be switched just to keep the tempo up. Um, let's probably move on towards our predictions for next season. Um, obviously, Cole and Danny aren't here, but they have sent me in their answers so that we can we can see the range in opinions um, here on 7500 to Holt and we can come back at the end of the season and we can tell who was the dumbest of them all. Um, you know, most predictions never go to plan, especially especially with me. So I'm, although I'm going to give you an answer, I'll probably try not to sit on the fence too much here. But um, let's start it with the obvious one. Uh, player of the season here. Who do you reckon will be sitting here in 12, 11 months time and saying, yeah, he really caught the eye for me? I mean, I wouldn't. It's, it's interesting, like you say about predictions, it's difficult in it because I would never have said at the start of last season that, We'd be looking at Jacob Ramsey winning, you know, winning winning awards. I thought he'd have a good season last season. I didn't think he'd come on that strong. So it's difficult. But if I had to pick based on based on what I've seen in preseason, based on the the things we're hearing coming out of the club and who I think could make a such a difference to the team that either the players or the fans or both notice, I think you could 
you could put a few people up, but who I've got noted down and who I'm going to stick with uh, is uh, Diego Carlos. I think it's very rare that like a centre back gets that kind of recognition, really. But I think if it's a kind of situation where they make that much of a difference to the team, then I, I could see it happening. And I think while I don't want to put too much pressure on a new signing, like he's he's clearly a classy player. Centre back's been a bit of an issue for us. Like I won't, we're not, I won't spend, I won't encourage us to spend hours poring over our opinions of Tyrone Mings and Esri Conter and Callum Chambers um, because we can do that. We can do that elsewhere, as Villa fans are doing, I think. But I think out of those, out of all those players I've just named, named, I really think the only nailed-on starter this season for us at this current moment in time is Diego Carlos, and it's for a reason. He's, I think he's looked absolutely excellent in pre-season, and given the changes, some of the changes in personnel we've made and obviously the news we had about the captaincy and the way some things seem to be shifting. Um, I think Diego Carlos is going to be a, a really vital figure for us this year. And if he can be the kind of player that I hope he is, judging from the very small amount I'd seen of him before his transfer and what I've seen of him, of him in pre-season, he has the potential, I think, to transform our back line and be that, you know, for me, Mings' leadership qualities and stuff, very good. But, like, Mings has been tasked for too long, you know, whether or not he starts going forward. Like, he's been tasked for too long with doing what he's good at and also doing what he's not good at. Bringing Diego Carlos in, whoever partners him, it's going to make their game better. Whether it's Conso, whether it's Mings, whether it's Callum Chambers. Like, those players must love the idea of playing alongside Diego Carlos. Because he just seems to have not only those leadership qualities, but played at a high level. And he just looks like the kind of guy I think we've been crying out for, particularly with the way that, you know, things have gone for concert over the last few months. So in a 20, concert's 2022, obviously with the injury, you know, a bit of poor form and then the injury, like we needed somebody to really take us up a level at the back. And for me, Carlos looks like it can be him. So he's my pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I was close to going for Daniel Carlos as well for some of the reasons that Tom has mentioned there. But I ended up going for uh, Bubica uh, Kamara, another new signing. Pure, I mean, I've got to hold my hands up. I didn't really know an awful lot about him until we signed him. But then, like, you know, all fans do when you sign a new player, you, you do you do your research. And I think the biggest thing is that like, you look at sort of what are the sort of people, respected people in the game say about him and talk about him and all you hear is just great things and you know the fact that Atletico Madrid are after him they you know Atletico Madrid's whole philosophy under Simeone is built on being you know defensive little bastards and if they're after a defensive midfielder in their team he must be a decent player and I think the fact as well that basically since we've been promoted back to the uh, Premier League We've not really had a proper holding midfielder. I mean, people have done jobs at times. The Canberra improved last season when he was playing. And he looked Douglas Louise, uh Project Restart, he looked really good in there. But then over the last sort of year, 18 months, it's become blindingly obvious that he's not holding midfielder naturally. He's number eight. So the fact we finally got that sorted, I think if he if he can perform to the level that people seem to talk like he's capable of performing to and getting to, then I think that can make such a huge difference in our team from a defensive point of view, alongside having Carlos back there as well to really solidify that centre-back um, partnership. So I just think the impact that he could potentially have could be massive come the end of the season when it comes to the awards being handed out. I'm really glad you mentioned both of them. Obviously, both newcomers into the team. Um, I was going to originally go for Carlos, but I've just had a look at the notes and Danny and Cole have also gone for Diego Carlos. So to switch it up a bit, I'm going to go for something different and I'm going to actually go for Douglas Louise. I think that he will end up sticking around and he will sign that contract. Um, but obviously, as you've mentioned, Kamara, Simon being the more defensive midfielder, it will give Louise almost more of a freedom to roam forward. And I think there are a few times last season where we briefly saw Louise in that advanced role. And for me, it, he looked like a completely different player. The responsibility or 
should I say, lack of responsibility that he had allowed him to be so much more creative. And it allowed us to see almost that Brazilian side to him, the way he got forward, the way he got into the box, his link-up play as well. I think with him playing in that position in a more on a more substantial basis, I believe that he will be able to kick on from that. And obviously, like I said, Cole and Danny going with Diego Carlos both. So he's got quite... You know, weight on his shoulders. Come Bournemouth, if we if we end up going and shipping two at the vitality, you know, we could all be sitting here looking like complete mugs. Um, it shows that it shows that it's the typical football th- fan thing as well, isn't it? It's like pin it on a not so much you, uh, Seb, but like pin it on, pin it on a new signing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pin all the hopes, Kamara, Carlos, guy. no pressure. Yeah, I, I can't remember what we said last season, but I wonder if anybody, you know, picked somebody like Leon Bailey to be player of the season last season uh, when we when we did this. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. This is uh, this is not a. That's actually unlike me to do my research. I'm kind of annoyed that I didn't go back and check that. Now I'll have to I'll have to do it and I'll I'll edit it in. Um, let's move on. So top scorer this season. This is quite an easy one. Uh, well, easy as in easy question, not easy answer. Perhaps Tom. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Danny Ings for me because I think that it's gonna be uh, there's so many factors at play right like whether we try the two up top again or whether I I do think that Watkins is probably still the preferred guy to lead the line certainly for certain formations because of you know, is is not that Ings isn't but like Watkins is a real workhorse and he's a very good pressing striker but I just think that like. Talking about the importance of players like Carlos and Kamara, I, what I think that one thing that I certainly hope that's going to do for us this year is it's going to allow us to create far more chances because we've got a proper defensive midfielder in place. We've got really, we should have a more solid back line. Fullbacks can bomb forward a little bit more without having to worry about what they're leaving behind because we've got better cover. You've got, you've got a, a proper sort of defensive midfielder in place so that relieves the burden on, you know, depending on who's on the pitch at any time, but relieves the burden on Louise, as we've already said, Ramsey, McGinn, even Wendy Coutinho. Um, so chance creation, I feel, should be much higher this year. And, you know, Danny Ings, his numbers were decent last year considering games played and minutes on the pitch. And, like, if you're, if you, the more chances that you give Danny Ings, Obviously, you know, the more goals he's going to score. And I still think he's a very, very clinical striker at Premier League level. So I think even if we've talked about the five subs already, I think there'll be a fair bit of rotation, whether we have Ings and Watkins on the pitch at the same time or one or the other on the pitch. Obviously, Cameron Archer going to be in the mix as well. But what I think will happen is that Watkins, Ings and Archer will all end up playing quite a few games. How many minutes they get in the games obviously will vary, but I think they'll all rack up a fair few appearances. Um, but I just think Ings has got the edge, considering that it's going to be Archer's first real season, you know, trying to bed himself in as a first team player. I don't want to put too much expectation on his shoulders. And I just think Ings is a more clinical finisher than Watkins. They, 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 they've got their own strengths for sure. But um, Ings, honestly, I'm hoping to see. I'd love, I don't, I won't aim too high because of rotation or whatever, but I'd love to see 15 goals from Danny Ings this season in the league. And I think that's a realistic aim for him you know um so I'm gonna say Danny Ings it's really interesting you said that because I'm just looking at the answers that Danny gave and Danny said that he thinks Watkins will score 15 plus so you know if we can get 15 plus from both of them then then we'll be right up that table this season I I personally agree I think the only real options we have is one of the front three and then you take away Archer because obviously he won't get as consistent minutes I really think the only two options here are Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins, especially if we want to be where we are in the league and where we hope to finish in the league. It has to be one of those front two. Anyone else, then it's got to be considered a poor season unless, you know, John McGinn goes and scores 30 this season and then goes and lifts the World Cup in December as well. Um for me, I'm going to also go Watkins. I think that he will kick on this year. I think Watkins had too many games last season where he scored one goal, but we sat at the end of it and we really thought he should have had three or four with the chances that he was given. So 
it's got to be that he he takes those, especially with the World Cup coming up. I think he's too far away to make it, but that's got to be, as an Englishman, that will be playing in his mind, playing in the Premier League. So if he goes and takes those chances, I think I think he will finish as our top scorer I, as well. Danny said the same, although it confused me because Cole has actually written this up wrong and he's put Leon Bailey as Danny's answer, but then one below, he's put that Watkins will score 15 plus. So, you know, um, I'm assuming he says Watkins anyway. If not, then Danny, feel free to correct me. Um, Cole is siding with Tom here and he's going Danny Ing. So it's currently two all. So Simon, no pressure. And I've also gone with Danny Ings as well. Um, I think, to be fair, I actually think last season we did create quite a lot of chances in a lot of games and they just weren't being put away. And I think, just because of what Tom said earlier as well, Ings is such a proven clinical finisher. I just, I can't see if he gets a consistent run of games, which I never think he really fully got last season. Consistent run of games, consistent chances being created. Danny Ings is going to score goals. Um, and I think I, I agree with Tom in that if, I think if he's playing one up front, probably Watkins is going to be the preferred option purely because of, um, the, the way that he presses. But I don't know. I think, I think from certainly from some of the pre-season lineups as well, I wouldn't be surprised if we played two up top in a number of games next season. Um, and I just think Ings, as I say, is a proven goal scorer. Again, he's someone that has had, I think, a fairly decent pre-season, certainly in terms of fitness, because he's in the past has maybe struggled with injuries here or there, but he looks sort of fully fit. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Danny Ings. And Simon, I'm not gonna give you a break on this one. I'm gonna come straight back to you with the next question. Most improved player. Now I am gonna tell you first that Cole and Danny have both gone fully on Bailey. Obviously, we were talking about him earlier, and I did say it is very hard not to get too ahead of yourself with the performances that he's put in. I don't know whether you two are also gonna gonna follow suit with that one, but Simon, most improved? Uh, yeah, I am following Leon Bailey. I mean, purely because you sort of you're looking at players who really underwhelmed last season and and what you would expect from this year and Bailey for a variety of reasons mainly injuries. Let's be honest. I think he I, I think he was injured when he came to us and he just never really got going from it either. But um, you know, there's clearly a very very talented footballer there. You look at his performances in the Bundesliga and there's a reason that Liverpool were interested in what two seasons ago. So. I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ex- I, I think Bailey could have a, a really decent season, which would be a massive improvement on his performances from last season. So, yeah, for me, that was the obvious candidate to go for Leon Bailey on that one. I, well, I mean, I, I also had, I had Leon Bailey as down as one name I had written down. So, because we were all going for Leon Bailey, and I do, you know, if all goes to plan, Leon Bailey, I think probably will be our most improved player because that's what we all want, isn't it? Realistically, is that he starts uh, puts together a run of games and 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 finds a, a real end product on a consistent basis. But I mean, the other name I had written down is, you know, given things that have happened in recent weeks with the captaincy and that sort of stuff, I do wonder about uh, Tyrone Mings's position in the starting eleven. Um, moving forward. So well, the other name I had written down actually for most improved player is I'm, and I'm, I'm going to say now is I'm going to go with Esri Concer because I think that Concer last season dropped off a lot and it wasn't necessarily, I don't, I, I don't think it was necessarily all his fault. I don't think he was holding down consistent performances very much at all. But I also think that both Concer and Mings when they're playing together and, and individually as well got blamed a lot of the time for things that mainly happened because we didn't have a defensive midfielder. Like the amount of pressure that was on our centre backs last year because we were having we were we were playing like Douglas Louise or John McGinn as an auxiliary defensive midfielder. Like that's neither of them wants to play in that position. Neither of them would say that's their primary position. So I do think that our centre backs got blamed for a lot last year, which maybe shouldn't have been on their shoulders. Having said that, Esri Conta will not he will be looking back at last season and he will be saying that very much did not go how I wanted that season to go with the injury and the and form and everything. I think that, like, like I said earlier, I think Diego Carlos is the only set in stone name at centre-back this year. Um, 
And I'm not entirely sure that Tyrone Mings is going to be the second name on that list. I thought until stuff happened in recent weeks that it might be Carlos and Mings starting together because Mings does bring a lot and everything. But I think even if it is Carlos and Mings starting together, I wouldn't be surprised to see, unfortunately, I love him, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Tyrone Mings phased, starting to be phased out as this season goes on. I do not think that Gerard sees him as the play- one of the players who's going to take us to where Gerard wants us to go. So I think it's going to end up being probably between, you know, Carlos at left centre-back and probably between Conser and Chambers for the other one. And I just think Esri Conser is going to come out with a real point to prove. We know that there's a quality defender in there with Esri Conser. Like we were, how long had we, be, as Villa fans, pretty much all of us were banging the drum that he should be picked for England before he dropped off, you know? He's got that in him. I remember saying gonna... the same about Matt Target. <laughs> so do I, actually, yeah. Um, shout out to the Newcastle fans listening. Um, I, but I think Conser will pick himself back up again. And I hope if he, if he's the one who's chosen more often than not to play alongside Diego Carlos, like I said before, I, I feel like you'd love to play alongside Diego Carlos, what we've seen from him in preseason. So I think concert can have a really, really, really good season as you know, what you might call the junior of the two center backs in the partnership. Ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I mean, you raised some really good points there. It's really frustrating coming into these sort of prediction videos because I always try and go for someone different, but I always just agree with everything anyone says. So to keep my word and to try and go for someone different, I'm actually going to go for Lucas Dinia. I don't think we saw the best of him last year. I think with the short stint he had, you know, obviously injuries have been mentioned there as well. I don't think that we were able to see the Lucas Dinia that, Gerard wanted to when he brought him and he integrated him into the side obviously fantastic on set pieces you know that assist counter should hopefully rise and rise as the season goes on so yeah for that one I'm gonna go Luca Dina now this one is a complete lottery um every year everyone says a position and it never turns out to be that one Simon I'm gonna throw this to you first what league position do you think we're gonna finish in Oh, that is a tough one. Um, I think now looking, certainly looking at the first 11 that we can pull out and then some of the options that are available as well. I think, I think there's a good team there. And I think for me, it's a tough one because obviously we finished 14th last season. So what I'm about to say might sound a bit crazy because it's quite a big leap. But I, I think we really should be I think top 10 is an absolute minimum. I think we should be looking to finish around eighth or ninth. Yeah, I mean, that's why I had, I had eighth written down. Because I think, I think obviously the, the, the aim and the ambition from our owners and from Gerard will be seventh. Seventh is going to be very, very hard to achieve, like realistically. Because I think if anything this year, like t- teams, the teams that we'd like to look at as on a part, you know, contenders for those spots, I think, have done decent business, but maybe not as good. I think our business has actually been really good this year. Like, no matter what you might see people say, it's because I think a lot of it is because we did a lot of it early. Like, if we if we pulled the Kamara and the Carlos signings out the bag in the next two weeks, people would be going nuts for this window, saying it's, saying it's a quality window. It's just that it happened so early. But what I do think that is going to happen this year, actually, I think the top six are going to pull away more from everybody else because I think United will be better 
than they were last year. I think Spurs and Arsenal have done some really savvy business. I think Chelsea might drop off, but they're not going to drop off dramatically enough to come out of the top six. I think they might be in the lower end of that this year. But I think that gap between top six and the other 14, unfortunately, is is getting wider again. So obviously it's about trying to be the best of the rest in it. But I think seventh, there's a lot of competition for that spot. But there's absolutely, I think I said this on the spaces with Cole and Danny, like there's no reason, we've got to go in thinking there's no reason it can't be us. You know, I know we, as fans, we like to say this a lot, like we should be aiming for that final, you know, particularly now there's the Europa Conference League, we should be aiming for that final spot. Really, really this year, there is no reason it can't be us. I think we'll give it a really good go, but I think we'll fall just short in terms of league places, don't know about how many points we'll be off, but I think we'll fall somewhere probably around the eighth or ninth, like like Simon said, but I'm going to go with eighth. Yeah, and um, Cole also backs that up. Cole says eighth. Danny also says ninth. Now, I, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's a website called, um, oh, what's it called? I can't remember exactly, but it's where you predict every single result of the season. So I must have spent 10 minutes of my time manually putting in every single result. And obviously, you know, it couldn't be further from the truth because injuries will have a part to play, manager sackings, etc. Um, and I mean, if you want to know it's bollocks and you need some evidence of that, I had Crystal Palace actually coming rock bottom. Um, so, yeah, Villa, for me, finished seventh on 57 points. Just shy of Arsenal in sixth, he finished on 72 points. Uh, Villa, yeah, seventh, 57 points with a plus one goal difference. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to have to stick with that and go seventh. Do I believe it? Absolutely not. But hey, if it, if it pulls off, I look like a genius, right? I would absolutely like the, the phrase, I'd bite your hand off has probably never applied more <laughs> than that. Like if we can be the best of the rest. I also like that in your prediction, there was such a, what was the points difference again between Villa in seventh so, and so Villa, in sixth? <laughs> let me, let me read this out in a bit more detail because um, you're going to laugh at the bottom three. So Palace are bottom on 23 points, right? No way. So. 19th is Southampton on 24 points. 18th is Brentford on 25 points. And then we've got Brighton, Leeds, Wolves, Bournemouth, who I said before the podcast, who I can't see finishing above the bottom three. I have in 14th on 37 (laughs) points. Unbelievably. Um, Fulham 13th, Forest 12th, Leicester 11th, Everton 10, West Ham 9, Newcastle 8, uh, Newcastle seven points behind Villa. So Villa were comfortably, comfortably seventh as well. Like it wasn't even close. But um, yeah, if if any of you question my footballing abilities before, I, I understand it now after that. Um, let, let's swiftly move on before I get distracted with, with how bad those predictions were. Um, cup runs. Now, they are always difficult to tell because you don't know who you're going to draw. And every year I felt like we've said, I want a cup run. I've never seen Villa lift a major trophy in my lifetime. Obviously, we had the playoff final and obviously we had that um, (laughs) preseason tournament where John Terry and James Chester lifted that Sunday League-esque cup in. That's probably the most joy I've I've been allowed as a Villa fan. Um, Now, Danny and Cole are actually really similar. Again, I don't know whether they've copied each other's answers. Um, Danny says that he think in the League Cup we'll draw a big side early on and go out, whereas in the FA Cup we'll make it to the quarters or semis once the chemistry is there. Whilst Cole has also said um, Cup runs out early in the Carabao and the quarters in the FA Cup. So if you guys would like to come up with something original, that would help me out, Tom. Well, I had down for... I had... All I'd written down is that we will get to a Cup semi-final this year. That's why I think we're going to take it as we should. It's difficult to balance, like, but qualifying for Europe via the league, I will die on this hill. These days is so much harder than qualifying through a cup. I know that like the the big six, that the big six, as they like to call them, um, have such a dominance over the domestic cup competitions. Like if you look back at cup winners, cup list of cup finals, it's depressing stuff to read. Um but again, I said this with finishing seventh, didn't I? But like, why can't it be us? Do you know what I mean? If we, I just want to see us really putting that down as a priority. 
because like you said, Seb, like same, like I'm significantly older than you are. I just about remember losing to Chelsea, FA Cup final 2000. And then there's um, Simon who remembers the year we were founded. Yeah, well, I'm wearing the shirt. I'm wearing the 57 FA Cup shirt right now. Simon, how was that game? Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I just want to see, I want to see us get back in a, I'd love to see us back in a final, obviously, because like we had the Carabao Cup final, Man City, but like, I don't know if this is hindsight talking, but we knew we were going to lose, didn't we? <laughs> Man City in the Carabao Cup final, let's be real. Like I was foolish enough, as I'm sure some Villa fans were, to go into the Arsenal Cup final 2015 thinking we could win that. That went well, didn't it? But like, I'm still at a point now where maybe for me, like obviously playoff, winning the playoff final, um, albeit from afar because I was in Canada by then, but in terms of what I've seen live, Liverpool FA Cup semi-final, 2-1 win, and probably like beating Ajax, UEFA Cup group stage, pretty much the best events, you know, best, what's the word, results, I suppose, best occasions that I've seen as a Villa fan. It's been it's way too long, you know, like we, I know that we like to think of ourselves as a, a, a big club who's been lying dormant for a while, but it's, it's, I don't think anybody would really argue against that unless they're trying to get a rise out of us probably successfully on Twitter, right? Um, but it's about bloody time, isn't it? So if we can, I just want to see us really focusing on cup competitions as a priority. Um, and then if I'm being slightly more pessimistic, it'd be nice to win a game in the FA Cup, wouldn't it? Because I was looking again earlier. And since that, we mentioned the Liverpool semi-final. Since we beat Liverpool in the semi-final 2015, Villa have won. Any, anyone want to, anyone know how many games, FA Cup games Villa have won since then? Is it one? one. Is it one? Yeah. I thought it was. We beat Wickham Wanderers <laughs> in a replay. That's the only FA Cup game that Villa have won Jesus. since we beat Liverpool 2-1 at Wembley. Like that is embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. I think um, I remember losing to, was it Peterborough in that time as well? I think so. I've got the list somewhere because I've locked it away because it's too depressing to look at. Um, but let's let's right some wrongs this year, man. Let's go like FA Cup. Let's win some games and go deep. Like Carabao Cup again. We got to the final recently. Um, and that was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, we've got a far better squad now than we had then, you know. And if if we've got the depth as well as the thing now, I really do think we have the depth for cup games and stuff. So I just want to see us give it a real go. Let's get to a cup semi-final. Um, let's be competitive on all fronts, you know. Yeah, I mean, like all football fans, you want to see your team win something. I mean, I... Was that the 1996 Coca-Cola Cup final, as it was then, which is the last proper trophy we won? And I think it was maybe nine, yeah, probably eight or nine years old. And just remember thinking, like, oh, I've picked ahead of a team here. Little did I know that would be the last thing that we'd ever win. <laughs> and, um, yeah, to see us, I mean, I, I mean I, I'll take either cup, but the FA Cup would be outstanding to win that. Um, I mean, I think... With trying to predict how you're doing the cup, like you said, right at the top step, it's impossible because you never know what draw you're going to get. You know, if you get drawn against Man City away, being realistic, you're going to struggle because they take that the cup competition seriously. But to be fair, I think we will. Gerard has said on more than one occasion that he will take the cups extremely seriously. You look at the team we pull out away to Man U in the third round uh, last season. And we should have won that, let's be honest. We played them off the park. We were robbed by another shit VAR decision at Old Trafford. But, um, so yeah, it's one of those, it really is the look of the draw type of thing. But if you get a good draw in, in both cups, it's not too difficult to get to a quarterfinal or semifinal as long as you avoid one of those, you know, big three or four teams maybe away from home. I think if you've got a home draw, even against someone like someone like a Chelsea or Tottenham at home, it's a tough game. But an FA Cup game against one of them, you're going to get a big crowd. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. So, And like Tom said, there's squad depth there as well, especially for the Carabao Cup, because the early rounds are quite early on in the season and you can... You can get you can get caught out by putting weaker teams out. Just from a personal point of view, 
I don't know why you'd put a weak team out that early on in the season. Surely you should be building up sort of match fitness as well. But um, I, I think we'll take the Cups comp- competition seriously. And, you know, there's, there's every chance that, that you can get yourself to a semi-final. And then, you know, who knows, just it would just be great <laughs> just to see us win a trophy again. As, so it's been far too, it'll be, if we won something this year, this season, it would be 27 years since the last trophy, which for a club of our size, is, it, it, like, it really is far too long. So can I just pose a question to both of you? I'm interested. If 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 we said now you could win, let's say the League Cup, not even the FA Cup, you could win the League Cup, what league position would you accept as a trade-off? I would accept, genuinely, I, I'd, I'd accept like 13th, 14th to win a cup. I'd have probably, said 13th I'll be honest, well. I'd probably take 15th. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. As long as we don't That's go about down, what I was thinking. I mean, realistically, yeah. if we take 13th and win a league, that's perfect because although it's small, it shows progress and we're in Europe next season. Exactly. But yeah. yeah, I was just about to say, you know, if you choose to win one, it would be the FA Cup. Not that I'm being picky at all. Um, you know, I'd like Tom said earlier, I'd bite your hands off for either. I mean, I'd bite both hands off for two. Why not? Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's impossible, but... If I'd like to, if I had to predict, I'd probably go yeah, FA Cup. I'd hate to say quarters because you're you're one game away from Wembley there. Um, so I'm going to go semi-finals, and then for the Carabao Cup, we'll go we'll go fifth round. Why not make it make it a little way in, not too not too depressing. Um, and then the last one before we really get into the nitty gritty stuff is your boldest shout for this season. Now that's. This doesn't have to be Villa related. This could be Premier League related or if you have anything else that sticks to mind, this could be football related in general. Um, Simon, I'll throw you under the bus here and I'll start with you. Um, I didn't really have anything for Villa with this topic, but my my shout is that I, I think Tottenham will finish second this season ahead of Liverpool. Um, I think they've recruited really, really well. They've got a top manager. I think Liverpool obviously is still a great team. I think the loss of Mane could have an effect on that front three. Obviously, Luis Diaz has been brilliant, and Nunes, you never know how he's going to come in and fit, but it's uh, it is a huge loss. And yeah, I just that that's my my bold shout for this season. I think Tottenham will, will finish second. So I've got Spurs pegged for third. I think I, I I agree. I think they've recruited so well, and I think that'll be the pick of the. I still I just think it's going to be. I can't look beyond it being City and Liverpool again. Unfortunately, like head to head, nothing. Well, I mean something against uh, something against one of them, I guess. But like, uh, just I'd like it to be a bit more interesting. I'd love to see like a Spurs finish second. But um, my boldest shout again. I didn't really have anything for. I didn't really have anything for Villa. If, if I'm going to come up with a Villa related one, I've got a non Villa related one. But if I'm going to come up with a Villa related one, um, I think that there is a decent chance. I think John McGinn will be our third highest goal scorer this year. I don't know if that's a bold shout. I think he'll outscore Coutinho, Bailey, Brendia, the likes of those. I think Watkins and Ings will get in the range of ten to fifteen each, and I think McGinn will score about eight in the Premier League because I think he'll be have the weight of defensive responsibility and everything lifted off him. I know he's captain now, but I actually I think McGinn's gonna thrive as captain, to be honest. I'd be I'd have been a bit worried like last season with him being dragged into the defensive midfield spot quite a lot. But this season I think he'll I, I think he'll thrive on it. He's one of I know he's a bit inconsistent or whatever, but he's one of the guys who stepped up big time, I felt, once Grealish left and we needed new leaders and new talisman, you know. Um, I think he'll have a really good season. My bold shout, non-Villa related, and this is good. This might even sound ridiculous by the time this podcast comes out, let alone by the time that we're you know months down the line. But given seeing all the stuff in the news about James Madison, Newcastle going in for a second bid, won a game. Apparently, he's looking at European football or, or money. I guess, I guess you know, depending on who comes in or whatever. Um, I think if Leicester lose James Madison. My shout, it's a two-pronged shout, is that by the time the world, by the time the season restarts after the World Cup, Brendan Rogers will be gone one way or another. He'll have walked or have been pushed. And if they get that appointment wrong, Leicester might go down. 
I cannot believe you've said that. My my bold shout would be that either Leicester or Wolves will one of those will go down. I I really? cannot believe yeah. we've still managed to come up with the same answer. Um anyway, Danny's is that he's got two actually. He's cheated the system a bit. His non-villa related one is that Ten Hag will get sacked when United yet again fail to get anywhere. And his Villa-related one is that Chambers and Ramsey will get picked for England. Um, and Coles, I really like Coles, made me laugh. He said um, a hilarious-like moment will happen to a Villa player this season, but will actually get a penalty for it. And for any of you that don't remember that, Nicholas Hellenius, probably one of the many amazing things he did in a Villa shirt. Obviously, I say that sarcastically. The one moment that sticks out when you think of Nicholas Hellenius is him running through on goal against Tottenham before having his shorts pulled down to show his rear end to the halt end. Um, so, yeah, how Cole has come up with that one, I don't know. I don't even want to think about how how he came up with that one, but we'll, we'll swiftly move on. Um, now, the last one is is the nitty-gritty one, and this could take a bit of time to get through each. Your first 11 for the season. Now, I reckon we could come up with a lot of different variations here because not only do we not know the players that will start, like we've said many times, the centre-backs, the centre-mid positions, Bailey, what's going to happen with him. We don't even know a, a set in formation for Gerard yet. He's tried a lot during pre-season, the two up front, the one up front. Um so as Tom's on his phone, I'm going to throw him under the bus this time and come to Tom first, your first 11 for that game against Bournemouth. I was just checking what I'd put. And actually, I, I wrote this I wrote this yesterday. Changed my mind already. So I was just updating it. Um, I think based on where we are at the moment, again, this could, even by the time this pod comes out, this could sound ridiculous if something, you know, something comes out on Twitter or whatever. But if I'm picking it right here, right now, I'm picking... Um, I was tempted to joke around and say Robin Olsen in goal. Sorry, Robin, but no. Emmy Martinez in goal. Uh, Matty Cash right back. Callum Chambers right centre back. Diego Carlos left centre back. Luca Dina left back. Uh, Buba Kamara, John McGinn, Jacob Ramsey in a midfield three. Uh, little Phil Coutinho on the left of a sort of, I guess, attacking three, um, drifting in centrally a bit more, you know. Um, Leon Bailey on the right-hand side, because I just can't really foresee a world in which Bailey doesn't start at Bournemouth because he's played so well over the, su- you know, over the summer. And I think Bournemouth away is a game where you could reasonably expect him to make a pretty good impact and hit the ground running. Um, and then I think it'll be Ollie Watkins up front to press from the front away from home against a promoted team. Um and you know, it's like you say, it's difficult because also we've got five subs as well. So, like, what I should have done is the second we should have done for the second part of this question is what team do you think will finish the first game of the season with? Um, but yeah, that's my thing. I suppose the biggest things there, I think Chambers will partner Carlos. I think Chambers had a good preseason comps and maybe not quite back. I mean, he came, but he's made a remarkable recovery, in he? But I think there's no nest, not necessarily any need to throw him straight in. I don't think Mings will start. I've got to be honest, the way that things have gone. And then I think uh, Kamara's going to start, McGinn's going to start. So I think, I guess the next shout is it's going to be Ramsey over Louise in a midfield three. Um, Brendia on the bench again, Coutinho, Bailey, Watkins. And then just, even if you look at that, like the depth we've got on the bench, if that was our 11, the depth we've got, the depth we've got on the bench in pretty much every position. Fantastic. I've got, Pretty much the exact same team. There's only one difference that I add in, in that. And that, uh, in mind, I've, I think Danny Ings will start up front. Um, yeah, I, I agree with what you said about Chambers. I, I think Konza, I don't think when he got injured at the end of last season, I, I think they were talking it'd be like September, maybe October before he'd be back. So I don't think they had any thought that he'd be in contention for the start. And so, like you said, there's, there's probably no need to risk him yet. And also Chambers, I've been, I've got to hold my hands up. I've, I've been really impressed with him. When we signed him in January, I, I think I I, uh, I wasn't particularly complimentary about him in, in our WhatsApp group. And cause I just I ne- didn't really see, I'd never really seen anything from him before. But I've got to be honest, when he's played pretty much every time, he's not really put a foot wrong since, whenever he's on the pitch for us. And I think... 
alongside Carlos as well. He's he's quite good on the ball. He's got experience of playing in midfield. So in terms of playing out from the back, I think he's probably the best option that you'd have to play alongside Carlos if that's how you want both centre-backs playing. So yeah, I can see him starting there. Uh, the midfield three, I think, kind of picks itself at the moment, like, purely because I think Douglas Louise will play quite a bit as number eight. But McGinn's obviously captain and Ramsey had you know, an incredible season last year. And I just don't see either of them not starting that first game. Um, so yeah, the big one for me was who down the middle. And I mean, it is a toss of a coin. And I'm contradicting myself from what I said earlier, that if it's one up front, you'd probably go for Watkins. But I just think, I mean, you, you can read too much into these things, but like the fact they've given Danny Ings number nine shirts, I, I, I don't know if that 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 may be completely insignificant. You, you never know, but I, I just think he started quite a few in preseason. He scored a, a number of goals as well. So I just think, and with it being a potentially tricky game away to a newly promoted club, chances may be at a bit of a premium and. You'd, I think most people would probably backings more than Watkins to convert more chances. So, yeah, I, that, that's what I think the eleven will be. But, I mean, we could be just completely wrong. You, you never know. Maybe I should just accept defeat at this point and just realise that we are all really like-minded people because, again, I've only gone for one change. Um, I think Doug will start ahead of Ramsey. Harsh on Ramsey, but I think unless I've had an absolute shocker here, Doug started against Wren. And my only thinking is you normally play what you want your first 11 to be against Wren. Um, I do think, however, contradicting myself, as we like to do here, um, I do think Chambers will come in for concert. Like Simon said, I just think it's a bit too early um, for concert. I don't think he's fully match fit yet. And, I actually think it would be really harsh on Chambers to throw Concer in at the deep end, especially with the five subs. There's no need to to rush him back and to get performances in, especially at a team away at Bournemouth who have just come up, who will probably be going all gung-ho with nothing to lose first game of the season. I think Chambers would be the smarter choice there. Um and while I've got you both here, I'll ask for I'll ask one more question to you both. Um, one word answer and one word answer only. Score prediction for Bournemouth. Tom. Balancing the head and the heart. 2-1 Villa. I'll be a bit more optimistic and go 2-0. I'll meet in the middle and go 1-0. How about that? I haven't asked that to Cole and Danny, so we'll have to get their opinion and put it on Twitter somewhere for people to find. Um, but yeah, I, I do think we'll win. Obviously, now we will come back as 1-0 losers. Um, but I just can't see a world in which Villa start the season off as defeat to Bournemouth. I mean, maybe that's my heart talking over my head. But just, if we need to start the season well, we've got to be beating those kinds of teams. I was going to put my boldest shout is that Villa won't lose to a club that will end up getting relegated, which will probably be for the first time in like five or six years. But... Mm-hmm. Villa's Villa, and I know what to expect yeah. with them from what, now on. What I'll say about like Bournemouth on the opening day is I just feel like looking at the squads and everything, I think that losing or even not beating Bournemouth on the opening day this year would be a lot worse than having lost to Watford last year. Because even Watford like had Ismail Assar, who I think did, did an absolute number on uh, Matty, Tar- Matty Target. I assume, I assume started at left back last year, first day of the season. Um, but they had uh, Ismail Assar, Emmanuel Dennis turned out to be decent. Scored ten, I think scored ten Premier League goals for Watford last year and stuff. So like, but you look at Bournemouth and like, I'm sorry, like no disrespect, and I, d- I really hope this doesn't come back to bite us. But it's going to be seriously, seriously disappointing if we don't win that game. Wow, it feels good to be back. Obviously, last year, we all had a certain tournament that must not be named to help take our minds off the absence of domestic football. If you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to continue as the season ahead is planned to be one filled with new, unique content from the team here as we look to raise the quality of all pieces of content produced. It was really fun to be back hosting, helped by the impressive nature of Tom and Simon's conversation. They make my job so easy. 
Make sure to check out our Bournemouth preview, which will be out in just a few days' time before hopefully Cole is back and raring to go to review the result. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at 7500 to halt. And thanks for listening. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 